by Dweck to allow us to know more and to teach us more about him. And Rav, the stage is yours. Thank you, Sina. Thank you, everyone, for joining tonight. Before we get into the nitty-gritty of the, um, the Teshubah, I want to tell you a little bit about Hachamad Lub. And you know what I'm going to do, Sina? I'm going to make you co-host so you can you can deal with the... Um, yes, uh, that was actually a request by a few people. If you can have a co-host, so I can mute people who forget to turn off their mics, etc. So, yeah. And also, Thanks. we're going to ask people... But I want to... I'm going to ask questions in the middle, so I want people to be able to unmute, right? Um... But I will start first with a little bit about Hachamat Lub, right? So that we know who it is that we're talking about. So Hachamat Lub died in 1970. I never knew him because I was born in 1975. But I was raised uh, literally with his photo in my father's library in the dining room of our home for you know my whole childhood. And so literally I saw Hachamat Lub's photo every single day. And I was raised on stories about Hachamat Lub. Matlub is an Arabic form of Shaul, right? So he's Hacham Shaul Matlub Abadi. His last name is Abadi, but we all just called him Hacham Matlub. Everybody refers to him as Hacham Matlub. And that's also something that the Sfaradim used to do. They would always refer to the Hacham by his first name. They would call him Hacham Yosef, Hacham Obadiah, Hacham Matlub. Uh, we didn't use the last name very often when we, um, when we spoke about them. Um, so Hachamat Lub was born in Halab. He was born in Aleppo. And, um, you know, a few things to know about him, just some tidbits to know about. I'm not going to give all biography about him. These are things that you wouldn't necessarily know unless you kind of were around him and his family. Should we let these people in? Um, the Hachamat Lub uh, lived in Halab at the same time as Hacham Izra'atiyah. Hamizratiyeh was the Rosh Hashiba of Porat Yosef in Yerushalayim. Uh, eventually, he became the Rosh Hashiba of Porat Yosef, and he was the Rebbe, he was the Rabbi of Hacham Ovadiah. And Hacham Ovadiah, um, I mean, the reason why that Hacham Ovadiah ended up becoming Hacham Ovadiah very much is owed to Hacham Izratiyeh. And Hacham Izrat, in his days in Halab, when he was living in Aleppo, was the uh, he was an, he was an extremely bright student, and uh, he was he was you know basically showing that his talents Hamizratiya was showing that his talents were beyond his class, and so they gave him in order to be able to give him a higher level of learning they had him sit with Hachamat Lub, and Hachamat Lub became his his so Hachamizratiya became like the Talmid Haver of Hachamat Lub. And Hachamad Lub left Aleppo also for business. And he stopped in Yerushalayim. And when he arrived in Yerushalayim, the, uh, the people in charge of Porat Yosef offered him to become the Rosh Hashiva of Porat Yosef. And Hachamad Lub declined the offer. And he said that I have someone that is coming after me, who is referring to Hamiz Ra'atiyeh, who's better for the job, and he'll, and he'll do it. And that's what ended up happening. But Hamad Lub almost became the Rosh Hashiva of Porat Yosef, which would have been a very different uh, course of his life. But in the end, he ended up in New York. And originally in New York, he would teach, he taught in the Talmud Torah. Um, and my father was a student of Hamad Lub. My father learned with Hamad Lub. And my cousin, my father's first cousin, uh, Moshe Faham, uh, which are the ones who put this book out, put Magen Ba'adi out. Moshe Faham was the one who printed Magen Ba'adi, 
And if you take a look, I don't know if you have the actual book. Some of you may only have the uh, the PDF, but if you take a look in the book, you will see. Oh, I don't know if they have it here. If it's here, I may not be here. But if you look at the beginning, you'll see the. Oh, but this is only the old version, not the not the new version. The, the, the old version looks like this. Uh, it was published. It says published by Faham Book Association, which they only published like one book, and that was this. Uh, and you see Moshe Faham, he's on home crest, isn't that? You could call Moshe Faham if you wanted to get Magen Ba'adi. Um, and so uh, they published his writings. Chacham Lub didn't publish this book. Chacham Lub wrote the Teshubot, and Moshe Faham took all of the Teshubot together, and he printed them. And he really had, you know, he had ownership of this book until, until very, very recently. And my father learned with Chacham Lub for, for many years also. Uh, there were many people that, that learned with Hakamat Lub. Um, Rabbi Faur, who I'm sure you've heard of in our Chabura, learned with Hakamat Lub. And in a little bit, I decided that I'm going to I'm going to give you a little bonus, and uh, I will play a, a short recording of Hakamat Lub speaking for you. So you'll hear his voice, right? You'll hear how he spoke. Hakamat Lub in this recording is explaining why he allowed shaving on Cholamoyed. Right? And there was a big argument in the community for many for many years in the Syrian community whether Hakam Atlub allowed it or didn't allow it. And my father told me, he said, I was at the shiur. I heard him say that you're allowed to shave on Holomoid. And Hakam Atlub allowed shaving on Holomoid for if four criteria were met. And this recording is him explaining the four criteria because people had taken issue with the fact that he had said it. And he's saying it in front of the chief rabbi of the community, Rabbi, rabbi Jacob Kassin. And you'll hear him, you can hear him. I mean, he's speaking in Hebrew, but you can hear him say at the beginning, he says, you hear Hacham Yaakov, Hacham Kassin. You hear what I'm saying so that nobody mis misquotes me and what it is that I'm saying. And he mentions Rabbi Faur at the end of the, uh, at the, end of the, uh, the recording. But in any case, Hacham Atlub came to New York and um, he started the Talmud Torah. He was teaching in the Talmud Torah, but the salary that they were paying him in the Talmud Torah didn't make ends meet. And so he went to work. He ended up having a business and he used to work, Hachamat Lub. And my father, uh, and everybody knew that Hachamat, and Hachamat Lub, I mean, we will see that he was a tremendous Tamir Hacham. Um, I mean, huge Tamir Hacham, uh, especially when it came to Halakha. He was a, 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 a brilliant posek. But, um, you know, he had business, he had a business in the city. He used to go into the city every day to work and come back. And my father used to drive him into the city very often after tefillah in the morning. And he said, Hachamat Lub would get into the car. He'd take his kippah off and put it in his pocket. He'd say, okay, let's go, <laughs> let's go to work. <laughs> because, you know, the, the, the Syrian Hachamim didn't wear their kippot on a regular basis. They wore their kippah. They were learning, or if they were in the, the, the knees, if they were in the synagogue and so on, but they didn't wear their kippah <laughs> on a normal, in a normal, you know, normal situations. Um, that's my father was eyewitness to that. Many people, many people said that. Hachamat Lub also, you know, he, my father, my grandfather, who also knew Hachamat Lub, my grandfather regret, he, he laments the day that, um, you know, after his bar mitzvah, my maternal grandfather, he, um, his, fam his father wasn't home very often because they were very, very poor. And his father peddled goods all over, you know, all over the United States. And so he wasn't home very often. And my, my great grandmother uh, raised all of the children. They, they were, I think, 13 children and um, by herself. 
So there was a lot of hitting and stuff that went on in the house, you know, in order to be able to keep the kids in line. But my grandfather didn't want to be in the Talmud Torah. He hated Talmud Torah. So when he became bar mitzvah, which meant that you stopped Talmud Torah, he stopped learning. My grandfather, my maternal grandfather. And, my, and he said, I remember uh, his father, my great-grandfather, begging me to go learn with Hachamat Lub. Because Hachamat Lub would teach the 13-year-olds. Hachamat Lub was teaching the, the teenagers. And uh, my grandfather, who just turned 90, and may he live and be well, he said, he said, you don't understand how much I regret not listening to my father. He said, my father was physically dragging me in the street to go to learn with Hamad Lub, and I refused. I wouldn't go learn. And uh, till this day, he regrets not, not, not doing that. But in any case, Hamad Lub, uh, you know, he worked and uh, for a living. Um, and so I was going to say that my grandfather said that Hamad Lub used to go to the beach with his wife. You know, he would sit on the beach with his wife. The beach wasn't the place that it is today. You know, people were a lot more modest on the beach, you know, even then than they, than, uh, than they were today. But he, he did. He would go with his wife, and that's what he did. Um, but what we're going to read tonight is his Teshuvah regarding whether it is permitted to use a dishwasher for meat and milk dishes. Um, he's going to indicate whether they can be used one after the other or together and so on. But I want to make very clear to everybody tonight who's at, at the shiur, that I'm less interested in the halakha that we're reading tonight. I'm not interested in that because somebody asked me, can we talk about the different opinions and, and how it goes? If you want to read something that brings all of the opinions on dishwasher, Hacham Obadiah also has a teshuban dishwashers. And he comes to the same conclusion as Hacham Atlub, which you can see in Yabiya Omer Chedek Yod, uh, Siman Dalit. In, in the Abiyah Omer Chedek Yod Siman Dalet, Hacham Avadiyah deals with dishwashers, and as Hacham Avadiyah always does, he brings everybody under the sun that ever said a word about it that's worth, that's worth quoting. So if you want to know about dishwashers, you can read Hacham Avadiyah. I'm not reading this Tishubah with you to teach you about dishwashers. This Tishubah is coming in a series, and this series is about looking at the approach of Ahachamim. So this happens to be a good Tishubah in order to be able to see the approach but I'm going to be reading it from that place. So I'm not going to get stuck on the nitty gritty details of the halakha. I will explain it to you, you know, the best, the best I can in that situation. But I want instead to focus on the nature of Hakam Matlub's dealing with the halakha, how he dealt with the circumstance and situation. And so I'm gonna be paying much more attention to those, you know, flag posts along in the, in the reading so that you are aware that that's what it is, that the point is for this, uh, uh, not the actual halachic psak of, of Hachamatu. Now that said, I will tell you this is a very technical teshubah, and I am not going to spend time going through explaining all the technical details. I may, however, ask you to answer some questions to see if you're on the ball, but, um, but otherwise I'm going to be going fairly quickly and this is definitely going to be a moderate level class. This is not a beginner's level class. So does, it, does everyone, I don't have, uh, do I have the PDF? I do have a PDF, which I can put up, but I'm not gonna be reading from it. Um, so I will, I will put that up. Let me see, let's make sure that I have it. Unless I deleted it. No, I don't think I did. Here it is. Here it is. Okay. So let me do this. I'll share the screen. If well. Okay, can you see that? 
Yeah, this is the new version. This is a new uh, version of the, um, see that? So before I do this though, I want to, um, I, I, wanna, I want you to hear his voice. So you'll hear Hachamat Lub, how he spoke. Uh, I know some people have heard this before, but just in case, if you haven't heard it, but I need to, I need to also share. So I'm going to stop one second. I'll stop sharing. Yeah, I'll stop sharing this for a second and I'll share my audio with you. Share the computer sound and bear with me. Okay, I just thought it would be nice to, to hear Hachamatlu's voice if you've never heard him. Yeah, you can hear a very strong Syrian Aleppo accent. Yeah, you hear his 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 Hebrew is very 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 strong Syrian accent. Okay. Let's start with the Teshuvah. Sheila, this is the question. We're going to talk about this electronic contraption called the dishwasher. This is already in the 60s he's writing about this. <laughs> so he says, what's the deal with the dishwasher? In the, at the bottom of the dishwasher, there is an electric machine, which pumps water into the yora. Yora literally means a pot, right? But he's saying into this contraption, to the, to the, 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 uh, the enclosure. And on top, there are these, these crates, you know, these, uh, you know, these, um, what do you call them? Trays that you put the, you put the uh, racks, right? That you put the, you put the dishes in. And every dish has its own slot that you put the dish in. It doesn't touch the other one, which isn't exactly true, but okay. So they, they put in these slots, there are individual slots. He goes, and before you put it into the dishwasher, you're supposed to clean it. 
You're supposed to rinse off the dishes so they don't have a whole bunch of junk on the dishes when you put them into the dishwasher. Today, the dishwashers, God bless, are able to do much better jobs than the ones we were able to do in the 1960s. So people are a little less <laughs> meticulous about it. But he relied on this. That's the, that's the reason I'm pointing it out. There are things that Hakam Atlub relied on in this Teshubah that aren't so much the case today, uh, at least at the beginning of the Teshubah. Right? So we're going to see that the major reason that people are matir, that people allow for the dishwasher, he leaves all the way to the end. And he goes through this whole thing about what you know the, the nature of the dishwasher itself as it is. I think it's unfortunate, personally, that he went through so much of it this way. But he wanted to, 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 to talk out and explain the functionality of the dishwasher and how it worked and why, why, or, why, not it, why or why it may not be a problem. So he says, look, they don't touch each other. So then whatever dirt is on them doesn't touch each other. Viesh Nashim, this is my favorite line. He goes, there are women, there are some women that are really careful and they really rinse the dishes well before they wash the dishes before they put them in the dishwasher. Yeah, of course, it's only women who does that. They do this so that there's no fat or no grease that's left on the, on the dishes. After you close the, the, the door of the dishwasher, you push a button. And then it starts spraying water in massive amounts all over the dishes. Close to 10 gallons of water in order to be able to clean the dishes. He says, and therefore, now that we've explained how this works, is it appropriate? Notice what he's doing over it. It's very important. Hachamat Lub is not dealing with a situation that has brought him as a new situation. What he's dealing with is a situation that people are already doing. It's very important to understand that, right? He says it very clearly in, this, in the question over here. He says, is are those women who use this dishwasher both for meat and milk are they doing appropriately by doing so that's the question that he's dealing with sometimes they use it one after the other sometimes they use it together even when they are fresh they're not they, the dishes haven't lasted for 24 hours and we know halakhically that it makes a big difference if something has lasted after use for 24 hours. Or should we tell them not to? So before we go into anything else, this is hugely important because essentially what Hakam Matlub is dealing with is a current practice. Something is already going on in the community. And so the question that Hakam Matlub is dealing with is not, is it mutar to use a dishwasher for meat and milk? He's dealing with a very different question. He's dealing with the question, do the women who are using the dishwasher for meat and milk dishes need to stop what they're doing? Or is there some way to allow it? Is there a way to permit it? That's the question. And that is extremely important because what Hacham Atlub is doing clearly is finding out how to permit it for them. That's the whole Teshubah. And you will see in the Teshubah, he literally says it outright. How do we permit this for them? How do we figure this out, right? So his mission is to sweat to find the allowance for what the women are already using the dishwasher for. And so he begins. He says, Pitaron sheelazo talui. He goes, look, the, the solution to this question 
is tied to lechaura, seemingly anyway, it's tied to what is the nature of the water that is being sprayed onto these dishes halachically? How are we supposed to determine the nature of the water that's being sprayed onto the dishes? That's the whole thing we got to figure out. If we can figure that out, then we have the solution to the problem. That's what Hakam Agub is saying. He goes, look. Sorry, Rob, can you scroll down? Sorry, can you scroll down? Perfect. All right, so if the the water that's being sprayed onto the dishes is what we would call a klirishon, right? We should consider this water a klirishon, which is a primary vessel, which I'm not going into. I'm sorry, you have to know what a klirishon is. But klirishon cooks, right? Halachically. And that's really what our problem is. What, what lechaura is the issue with having meat and milk dishes? Well, one thing is that we're worried that the meat and milk is going to be absorbed as meat and milk in the dishes and then make the dishes not, not kosher, right? But that's a major problem, not only in terms of that, we have to worry about is it going to cook it into the dishes or not, because we don't say necessarily that just hot water alone is going to, to be mavliya, is going to cause the meat and milk to be able to come into the dishes. It needs to be a klirishon. And so we have to know whether we consider it a klirishon or not. She'im dinam klirishon, because if we consider this water a klirishon, right, having the status of klirishon, which I'll show you in just a second, because I think it's important to see that. According to the Tosafot and the Ramah, which essentially are the way the Ashkenazim are posek, he, he writes, if the water is klirishon, if the water is cooking them, you cannot wash these dishes together. Even if you had already done it, you can't even, even allow the dishes after the fact. If they are not 24 hours old from having been used. They prohibit this. Yeah? Why? barnat. Right, not he writes not barnut, right? Not barnut. Not barnut means notentam bar notentam. So I'm gonna to have to explain what notentam bar notentam means, uh, because that runs throughout the entire oh here you have it actually written out. Sorry, I have the old version. But in any case, oh, this must have all of the oh, this is no fun. They wrote out all the rashetevot for you. I was gonna test you on all the rashetevot. That's not good. Anyway, so what is this for preschoolers? So not barnat means notentam bar notentam. And what that means is as follows, right? We know that in the laws of kashrut, right, of, of whether of mixtures, right, what we would normally call hilchota arubot, right, things that mix, kosher and non-kosher that mixes. The mixing itself is not a problem, usually, right? The problem of mixing is the mingling of taste. If taste does not mingle, then we don't really have issues. That's the whole thing, right? So pork that falls into a, you know, a, a chicken soup, for example, is not an issue just because the pork fell into the chicken soup. The only time that it's an issue is if I can taste the pork that is in the chicken soup, right? I mean, obviously, if I can actually see it in there, I'm not allowed to keep it in there. I got to take it out. But the question as to whether I can eat or, or drink the soup, the chicken soup, after the pork has fallen in the soup, all revolves essentially halachically around one question, right? I'm talking practically now, I'm not talking about all of the discussions before it, but practically it only, there's only one question. 
can I taste the pork in the soup or not? That's it. So everything that's written about it revolves around that question. And the same is true with Basar Halab, right? So Basar Halab is unique. Why is Basar Halab unique? Because meat and milk, because Basar Halab on their own are permitted. It's the only thing that we have where a, a fusion of two permitted items creates a prohibition. Yeah, so you have milk, which is permitted. You have meat, which is permitted. They fuse and they become as an entity prohibited. So when do they fuse? Again, it is all dependent on taste. If I can taste it, if I can taste the meat and the milk and vice versa, that's a problem. But otherwise, there's no prohibition for me to eat that. There is a separate prohibition with meat and milk that I'm not allowed to cook it together, whether I'm going to eat it or not, right? And that, that's another question. That's its own issue. But that the issue of taste is everything. So the question is, well, what if there are, there are diluted tastes? There are diluted stages of taste. That's uh, an interesting question. What if it's notentam, right? Notentam means it gives taste. Yeah. So let's say I have a situation specifically with basar bechalav, because in order for basar bechalav to become prohibited, the permitted items need to come together. So let's say, for example, I have a milk pot and I'm boiling water in the milk pot and I have a meat spoon that I want to put or that I did put into that pot, right? Is that a problem? Well, some will say that's not barnat. It's notentam, bar notentam. Why? What happened over here? The milk that was originally cooked in the, had the milk pot become a milk pot. I cooked milk in the pot, right? So now I have milk that went into this pot. Now, if I cook water in the pot, the milk that was in the pot comes out and goes into the water. That's already stage two. And then the milk that's in the water goes into the spoon. That's stage three. That's what we call not barnat, right? So there, it went in once, then twice, and three times, not barnat. The question is, is that mutar or is that asur? The Ashkenazim are mahmir about it usually. The Sfaradim are meker. So let's look at a halakhan shohan aruch to see it there. That's why I'm saying, I don't know, you know, we may need to do this for two weeks, but we'll take a look. But I want to, it's important to have an idea of what's going on, how Hamakub is dealing with. So let's take a look at the, at the halakhan shohan aruch first. I'll bring that up for you in a second. Where is it? Here it is. Okay. So this is Shahana And this is Maran up here, right? So Maran says, basar, meat dishes, that were cleaned in a milk pot. Right? So you have meat dishes cleaned in a milk pot in hot water in a milk pot, right? So they're being put in a milk pot that is holding hot water that is yad soledipo, right? That is hot enough to be considered klirishon. Afinu shinehem yoman mutar. Even though the milk pot that you're cleaning the meat dishes in and the meat dishes were used with, respectively, with meat and milk within 24 hours, it's permitted to do so. Why? Mishum because what's happening here, any mingling of taste of meat and milk is already secondary stages, right? It's it's diluted stages. And so, and it's muta, and it's the hetera. The hetera means 
that what has been absorbed in these pots began as permitted, right? It's not like pork was absorbed in these pots or, or you know, anything Nevelah was absorbed in the pots. Everything in the pot is in a state of permission. So the fact that they're mingling through the water is okay. Why? Because the milk pot doesn't have milk in it now. It had milk in it, so it was milk was absorbed into the pot. Now the milk is going into the water. Now the water is going into the meat dishes. That's already two stages. And those stages are permitted as far as Maran is concerned when what we've got mingling is already permitted on its own. So that's called not banat. And he said it's permitted to do so, even if the dishes are within 24 hours of having been used, which means that the milk absorbed in the milk pot and the meat absorbed in the meat dishes still has, if it has taste, still has decent taste. The 24 hours hasn't passed in order to be able to ruin the taste that's absorbed in each of them. So the only way that this is permitted, however, is when we are dealing with nat barnat. But if we're not dealing with nat barnat, but rather actual milk or actual meat fat that is still on the pots, well, then that's not secondary stage. That's direct intermingling. The food is actually there. We're not talking about taste that was absorbed into the pot. So you have to know for sure, Barili, I am sure the person has to say, no grease from the milk or the meat or the cheese or whatever is on the pot. It's all absorbed taste. And if a person is able to determine that, it is permitted to wash these things, to wash the meat, meat dishes in the milk pot, hot boiling pot. Yeah? Okay. And if there was grease on them, then you need at least 60 parts water in the milk pot against whatever fat was on the kara, was on these meat dishes. Why? Because then you have to actually nullify with the 60 parts water. And why is it 60 parts water? I mean, if I said the whole thing is about tasting, what's the 60 parts thing? 60 parts water is that we assume that if there's 60 parts to any other thing, right, to any element, that 60 is enough to nullify taste, right? There's just not enough uh, ratio for taste to be able to be detected and recognized. Okay, so it's clear what the halakha of Shohan Aruch is? So that's Shohan Aruch, that's Maran. What does Rama say? And Rama, is that uh, Lechat Hila, right? That's not a video. Lechat Hila, So what does Rama say? He says, V'yesh Osrim. As is usual with Isur Veter, the Maramah says, well, some people say it's not allowed. Even if there's no fat on it. Why? And he brings this tour in the name of the Sefer Tumah and the Samag and the Samak and the Sharidora and so on and so forth. The only way that we would permit it, the Ashkenazim would permit it, is if one of the Kelim in Ambene Yoman, if one of the Kelim was already 24 hours old, so that whatever is absorbed in it is already no good anymore. The taste isn't taste. Then you're allowed to do it. Okay, everybody see that? Good. Back to the tissue bag. So that's why Hakamat Lub is saying, according to the Tosafot and the people that follow Tosafot and the Ramah and the Agaha, which we just read, and the Libush. Right? The, the, the dishes that are cooked together or that are, you know, put in this hot water together are going to be asur afilu avad, Even retroactively, retrospectively, even if it was already done, post facto. 
we say. If they are within 24 hours of having been used. Why? Because according to them, according to their opinion, their problem is that the water, there's what occurs in the water is that the milk taste that comes out of the milk pot and the meat taste that comes out of the dishes mingles in the water and already becomes problematic in that mingling before it goes into each other. That's their issue. And um, and therefore you can't say that it's properly not barnat. Little bit Yosef mentions this idea, but he doesn't agree with it. Now, according to Maran Shahan Aruch, but as far as Maran Shahan Aruch is concerned, we shouldn't prohibit. And we don't prohibit the Kelim. And again, if there was no grease from the food, the meal, milk, or the meat on the pots, Shikakatavi wrote explicitly, which is this is the halacha we just saw. Right, he was just quoting the the Right, so somebody asked me, was that mean Right, so listen to what Hamatlub says about it over here. He says, however, it doesn't seem, says Hamatlub, that it's mutar to do so Why? Right, we and he and Hamat Lub write, no, excuse me, not Hamat Lub. Maran writes this in Ora Hayim regarding Hilchot Pesach, right? So, which I'll show you in a second. I'll show you the halacha that Hamat Lub is quoting over here. So he goes, Al Kovanim Ladiham, Yahana Hadiha, Lotar Shamafilo Dar Shahanaruch, which is interesting, right? Why would Maran write that halacha and Shahanaruch in Yoredea without a qualification and only rely on the fact that he wrote it in Ora Hayim? Otherwise, one has to concern themselves with that question. Yeah, now Hamavadia writes about it in the Tishubah. Now Hamavadia deals with it, but that's not for now. So I'll go back to the Habi Yahad Hadi Halo Tarsham, a filo Dashan, a Rukhmoshta, a Shah Sam, Sikhatan Tetu, Shara Halim, Ken, Kikem, Forash, Borahayim, because we see explicitly that Maran in Orahayim doesn't allow it, Lechaterila, as we'll see. Take a look, I'm going to show you over here. Show you the halacha inside. Where is it? Yeah. This halacha. Yeshli zahir. Mila agil kele basar ve kele hala beyahad. Ela imkene ha me meno ben yomo. What is that language? What does it mean, yeshli zahir? What is that? Who can tell me? It seems it is not uh, taking that position, uh, but he is trying to uh, say that you should take that opinion into consideration. So, so what does that mean that. as far as practice is concerned? What is he just actually Zahir means what? Don't do I, it. I think these lechatchila, you've got to be careful. The video of no, no, no. Whoa, 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 one second. I'm asking a very simple question. I want very simple Hebrew. What does yesh li zahir mean? You should be careful too. Correct. Me. It means one it's a cobra. Be careful. One should be careful not to. Right? Does it say asur? No. Is it important that it doesn't say asur? Very. Because Maran was very careful with his language, right? And that's what Hakam Ovadia points out. Hakam says, anytime that Maran says, Yesh li zahir, 
He's not saying that it's asur. He's saying that it's, a, it's appropriate for those who wish to, to be stringent about it, but not that it is prohibited from the deen, from the halakha. And that's really what hachamatlu means when he says <coughs> It's not that it's asur to do and it's only mutar b'diavad. A person can do it. It's just not advisable that a person does it. And that's exactly what Maran is saying, Shran Aruch. And Hamavdiyah points that out in many places, by the way. So that's what he's putting on over here. He says over here, look, you should try not to do this unless it's bin yomo, because when it's not bin yomo, when one of them is not bin yomo, one of them is not is no longer within 24 hours, then you have no issue whatsoever. So why put yourself into a problem? Why, even though I'm Rabbi Yosef Karo, right? I, Maran, hold that it's permitted to do so, you don't have to put yourself into the situation where according to the Tosafot and the Ramah and the Sha'ri Dora and all of those guys, you're going to have a problem with all those hachamim, you're going to have a problem with them. So best to try not to do that. That's what Maran is saying over here. Right? And that's Allah. So that's why Hachamadub is saying, look, even according to Maran, it's not the best thing. <laughs> the interesting thing is, is that the women that are doing this already, is that considered to be the Avad or is that considered Lecha It's a good question. How Hamadlu would consider, as we shall see. Okay. Back to the Teshuvah. So here he brings Maran and he says, everybody see? He goes, look, it seems like even according to Maru Aruch, not supposed to do this with the dishwasher. Unless you know that some of the kelim are not, what is it? We've got a ton of dishes in there, right? I mean, what do I do? 50% of the dishes? No, one of one of the dishes, <laughs> which, which dish is not Benyomo? It's not so easy, okay? You have to also make sure that there's no grease on any of the dishes. In that situation, if you know that they're not Bnei Yomad, then you don't have to worry about it. Okay? So he says, look, not only that, we're talking about using it together, he says, the reality is, He goes, the reality is that even to wash them one after the other, when they are within 24 hours of having been used is a problem. And there's an argument between Maran and Moram. Who's Moram? Uh, so what does that stand for? That's correct. Uh, but it, it, it's... Uh, like what is Rama? What does Moram stand for? Moran uh, Rabbi Moshe. That's it. Moreno v'Rabenu Rabbi Moshe, which the the Chacham of Adia always said. He said we show greater respect to the Ramah than the Ashkenazim. He said because the Ashkenazim just called him Rabbi Moshe Serlash Ramah. We call him Moreno v'Rabenu Rabbi Moshe. Yeah, we showed him great kavod. Right? What did the Ramah write now, guys? Says bedavka shu dehu biyachal b'kli rishon, avabzeharze chule akol shari. Right, so he's saying if you look at the language of the Hagaha, he says that uh, if they were the problem is when they were washed together, together, right? But the Rama and the Hagaha, he said, but if they did it one after another, Hakol Sharet's Mutar. So he says, what do you mean if they did it one after another? They did it one after another means if it was done that way, 
then you can use the dishes. The dishes are not prohibited. So from that we say that it's only if it was done by the avad but you shouldn't go go to do this intentionally, according to Ramah. And he writes it explicitly in the Darke Moshe. But as far as we're concerned, as far as, you know, in terms of how Maran deals with this, he said, it's clear that if you're washing them one after the other, you don't have to worry about it. Even if they're within 24 hours of having been used. Explain Maran to be that. If you wash the meat and milk dishes together, what does it mean to wash them together? It means washing them together in the same pot and where the water is not 60 parts against whatever is absorbed in them, in the, in, in the, in the dishes. That's what Maran means, as Magen Avraham is saying. Even though the Atirat Zahab said that when Maran writes in the Shohan Aruch the word together, he didn't mean together, Davka, he meant even that one after the other. That's not, that's not uh, how we understand Maran, not like the Atirat Zahab is saying. He's saying, The Rav Mahasita Shekel argued on the Atirat Zahab, he said, no, no, no. Maran in the Shohan Aruch, when he says together, he means together. And not when they wash them one after the other. One after the other, he doesn't have an issue with. Okay? When the Maran, Shohan Aruch, specifically said together, he meant it. That together is the issue, not when they're washed one after the other. You can see in the Kavahim. So now take a look at this line. Right, I'll stop here for a second if there's any questions uh, before we go on to the next uh, thing. Otherwise, we can go on to the next thing. Okay, good. So we're going to continue uh, on Otbet. So now look at this line by Hakamat Lub. So Hakamat Lub says he go, He seems to be in a bind, right? Because even even Maran Shahan Aruch, who seems to allow it, doesn't allow it very freely, right? It's a, it's an iffy situation. So he goes, Ata mal hatir. He goes, what can we do in order to be able to make this mutar, right? In order to be able to find a heter here, right? We have to find a heter, which is phenomenal hakamat language, right? He uses that kind of language all the time. So he says, what do we do in order to be matir? Even according to the Ramah, there should be a way that we should be able to find that. At least one after the other, according to everybody, we should be able to find a way that it's mutar because the Ramah doesn't like the one after the other either. So we, we're, we're hitting obstacles, right? We're hitting obstacles where people are not happy with, with the situation. So he goes, look, you know, so this, in my, in my opinion, is a little bit of a, I mean, it's, it's, it's going off into a place where we don't really need to go right now, what Hachamat Lub is doing. But I will read through it, you know, because, uh, I mean, he goes there, but I don't think, he, you know, again, I'm not, Arguing on how he does his teshuva, but but in terms of where it is that he ultimately gets, it's not absolutely essential that he goes there, but he does go there because Hachamat Lub is looking at this as the, the most novel idea, right? So he's trying to 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 
explain the mechanics of the dishwasher. It's very important for him, by the way, that the mechanics of the dishwasher, the functional uh, uh, system of the dishwasher should be understood, right? So we get it, what it is in order to be able to establish halacha. And that was very important because you will see that Hachamatu really did test the dishwasher. He looked to see like what was going on. He tested the temperature of the water of the dishwasher. He wanted to see how much water was put out in the dishwasher. And that's a posik, right? That's that's the way that he was posik. Incidentally, Chacham Yitzhak Yosef, the Rishon Zion, he was my Rosh Hashiba, he said that that's how Chacham Ben Zion Abba Shaul used to do everything. Chacham Ben Zion Abba Shaul was constantly conducting experiments in his flat, right, in his apartment. He said there was never a time where he went upstairs, because they used to live next door to each other in the same block. Chacham Ben Zion used to live next door to each other. So they used to spend a huge amount of time together. And Chacham uh, said, he goes, I remember when I was a kid, I would go into Chacham Ben Sion's house and he was constantly testing things. He was measuring things, weighing things, seeing how much things, all, all the time. He wanted to see what, what the physical, practical reality of things was. Chacham not so much. Chacham didn't do much of that. So he goes, look, some people in their, in their use of the dishwasher, they're, they're, they, they're careful to run a, a, an empty cycle in between the meat and the milk cycles, right? Because if, according to the Ramah, we don't like the meat and milk one after the other even, so some people run a clean cycle in between, right? They think that that might be a way to help it. He goes, right? The empty dishwasher alone. Why? Because they want to do like a hagala, a koshering of the dishwasher, yeah? Because they think by doing this, it extracts whatever was absorbed, and it's like doing a full hagala to the whole dishwasher. That's what they. That's what they think. Now, this is a very important point because people think, you know, are you allowed to do hagala in the dishwasher? So he wants to address that too, right? He wants to. He wants to deal with that. And he says, look, he goes, look. The reality is, we can't really rely on such a thing and call it hagala just to run a dishwasher on its own. And what does it stand for? Where's my Jeopardy music? I need my Jeopardy music. Sha'ar Poski. Sha'ar Poski. That's annoying. <laughs> So they write that Hagala needs to be actively boiling, right? The water needs to be at a temperature and where it's actively boiling, not but But if it's just Yad Soledbo, it's not enough to do Hagala, right? To, to achieve Hagala. And in this contraption, as we know, it doesn't get to boiling point. The water doesn't get to boiling point. And where it's actually bubbling up. So you might say to me, yeah, but does it really need to, uh, uh, what you call it? Does it really need to, to boil? I mean, at the end of the day, the way that the stuff was absorbed in the dishwasher was not through boiling water, it was absorbed by the water of the dishwasher. And we say, right? However, it's absorbed the way that it's extracted. 
So maybe you're going to say to me, why do I need it to boil in this situation? Let it be extracted the way that it was absorbed. So Hamad asks it. He goes, Like the Ramah writes, he says, if you used dishes in the um, hot springs of Tveria, you can kosher them in the hot springs of Tveria, right? It's the it's equal, equal temperature. Goes, still, there's a problem with it, says What's the problem? He goes, well, first of all, the problem is, according to the Ramah, right, Mashtam again Abraham, at least, and it's true, the Ashkenazim don't do this, right? That if a person wants to take a meat pot and do hagala to the pot so that he can now use that for milk, it's not, it's, the minhag is not to do it, right? So that's for the Ashkenazim. Hamavadiyah says that it's, it's, according to Sephardim, it's mutar to do that. You can change pots back and forth all you want. It's not a problem as long as you do proper Haggadah. The Ashkenazim usually will only, if they want to do it, will only wait till Pesach when they kosher the pots. And if they kosher the pot, then they can use it afterwards. They'll use it afterwards, Pesach or something. So that's the first thing he says. He goes, anyway, you shouldn't be using the dishwasher, a Haggadah cycle of, this, of the dishwasher, between the meat and milk, people don't like to do that. Not only that, there are people who don't like doing hagalat to kelim, to pots and pans and things that are within 24 hours of having been used, right? You might've heard this, right? They'll tell you if you're gonna kosher your pots for Pesach, you should make sure to, you should make sure to wait 24 hours before you kosher the pots, right? He goes, that's not a good idea. And here they're doing the cycle right in between People don't like that. So he says like this. He goes, No, what am I looking at? Did I miss something? Yeah. Yeah. I have to see if it's the right. No, it's not the right one. No. Oh, it is, I guess. Why don't I have it? I, I skipped the page. I guess I did. I did skip a page. Uh -oh. Anyway, I'll read it for you. Right? So he says, okay, let me just find it in my book. Sorry about that. He says, even when it's alone, we don't like doing Haggadah for Kelim that are within 24 hours. However they are, whether it's from meat to milk, whether it's absorbed with Isur, whatever it is. Right? But this, the dishwasher is definitely within 24 hours of the last use, right? No, people aren't waiting all that time to, to clean the dishes. Then he says, He says, look, in the end of the day, when we think about it, the hagala between the milk dishes and the meat dishes in this, in this dishwasher doesn't really help, doesn't make a difference. Because after it gets absorbed out of the dishwasher the first time, right, you're just going to use it again in the same pot to, to, to clean again. It's going to be reabsorbed into the dishwasher. Okay? 
אבל הרי גם לפני הגעתה יש כבר שלושה נת ברנת היתרה, but you could say that there's not ברנת, right? There's נותן טעם בר נותן טעם. The meat goes into the, the dish, the dish then comes out in the water, and then the water into the dishwasher, and then the, the whole thing is all basar, that's mutar, right? We're not dealing with anything that's asur. And then after all of those stages, it could possibly go into the milk dishes afterwards or vice versa. But even so, according to the Ramah, it's no good. So what is Hacham Adlub doing over here? Hacham Adlub is saying what, what they are doing for the dishwasher by using a mid-cycle, by running a mid-cycle that's empty, doesn't work for the Ramah and, and the Shittah Deshkenazim. He's showing that here. So it does, it's not a, really a tikkun, right? He goes, by doing that, it's not really a tikkun because it doesn't help the problems that people have with it. So he says, right, So now he goes through a whole thing about Hagala, which in all honesty, I don't really want, <laughs> I don't really want to do, but we will. What's the time? We only have five minutes left. All right, so look, uh, I would say go over, Rav. We, as in, no, don't I'm worry if we go over the time. I'm definitely you don't, you can? No, I cannot go. No? Over. But, okay, okay. Um, but that's what I'm saying. I think that we have two options. We have two options over here. You can, you can vote. We can either continue as it is and continue next week and do the entire Teshubah, or I can jump to the portions of the Teshubah that are significant, that Hachamad Lub writes, and do that now. And if that takes some time over, then I'll go over. You can vote. Uh, I'll be honest. Or you can make a decision as the yeah, because of the calendar and the what we've got with the scheduling and stuff. I think it's best if we get to the to the summarizing the crux. And if anyone has any questions, then we'll we'll go into detail. Okay. So I want to show you that he writes over here. Where am I? See, I'm even going to show you that he writes that it's not essential. I notice what he says over here. He goes, look, all this that I just wrote out, means all of this I wrote just to expand the issue, right? Just to expand the, the details. Yeah, so I, I touch all bases with, you know, things that the, 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 the outer elements of it that people may might address. Yeah, so there's things that he goes through in order to be able to talk about Hagalah and whether it could be used for Hagalah and so on and so forth. But he does say over here, one thing I want to point out if I have it, let me see, no, I don't have it, I don't have it, right, so he says, I want to read this to you over here, he says, he goes, look, you know that boiling water is 212 degrees Fahrenheit, he says, I mean, remember, he's writing in America, so he goes, 212 degrees, he goes, he goes, and when I measured the temperature of the water in an average dishwasher here, yeah, he goes, we found that the heat of the water of a dishwasher doesn't get higher than 150 degrees Fahrenheit. So it's not boiling. You can't, so essentially he's saying you can't use it for Hagala proper. Okay. So I'm going to bring you now to, to Ote, right? So Ote over here, he says like this. He says, all the stuff that I just wrote out, Hagala and boiling and all of that, Rabahad Milta. He goes, he goes, I don't think that this dishwasher can be considered a klirishon, which is very important because remember that was one of the, that was one of the first things that he wrote. Is this a klirishon? 
or isn't it? Is it going to cause the absorption of the meat and milk by being a klirishon or not? So he goes, the truth of the matter is, I don't think that this, this machine can be considered a klirishon. He goes, what? He goes, but the truth of the matter is, I have a better heter than saying that it's not a klirishon. Now, it is important, it's important to realize that the, the klirishon question is a very important question. Because as we're going, uh, we, uh, we will see that there's a little bit of an issue with this next thing that he brings to be matir. But the Klirishon question is important because according to Maran Hanaruch, if, if, if the dishes are not in a Klirishon, they're not being boiled, then they can't be mixed. In other words, the tastes do not get drawn into the, to the dishes, right? It doesn't work in order to be able to, to put the taste or to infuse the taste into the dishes. It needs to be have a status of a Klirishon. And he says, and one of the things that we know is one of the reasons why we know it's not a klirishon is not only that the water doesn't get the boiling point because the adsoleted po is not necessarily a boiling point, but because the water is not boiled in that contraption. It comes from elsewhere and then it streams into the contraption, right? So it's as if it's being poured into it. And so he goes, and if it cooks at all or if it affects at all, it affects it only klipa. It affects only the outer layer. And that's halakha and cooking and tarabot and so on and so forth because pouring from a klirishon cooks whatever it is that it's hit, that it hits kedeklipa and then he says and if that's the case it's only the kedeklipa then there's definitely 60 parts water to the get to the to the outer layer of whatever it is that's that's there that's really in, in essence what he deals with in the area that we didn't read but then he says but look there's a better there's a better thing for this i have a better way to permit this and he says he goes, it's simple that it should be permitted to allow this thing. Even together. You should be able to wash meat and milk dishes in this thing, simply, and do it together. Why? He says, even if they have the junk on them, right? Even if they have gook and grease on them, I think it's permitted. And the reason is based on what Maran wrote in Sadiheh. What Maran wrote in Sadiheh Sif Dalit is the following. I'm going to show it to you. I just want to show it to you because it's nice to see it inside. Excuse me. Uh, yeah. So Maran writes Sadiheh Sif Dalit. He goes, Yira'eli. Right? What does it mean, Yira'eli? It seems to me. Says Maran, right? Which means that this is his own opinion. He's he's being Poseik's own opinion, but it's a very basic opinion that that makes tremendous sense. He says, I think that in the case that I just wrote about up here, which is remember putting the meat dishes in the in the milk in the milk pot in the water, right? And they have to be clean. And da, 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 da. he goes, however, says Maran, I think that if you put efir bamaim, if you put ash into the water ashes into the water, into the hot water that's in the pot that you're cleaning the dishes in, before you put the dishes in, right? So you have a pot of a milk pot holding boiling or hot water, put ashes into the water before you put the dishes in to clean them. Even though it has grease on them, mutar. Why? Because the ash is no ten tam gun. It ruins the taste. And remember, the whole issue is taste. 
And so if it doesn't give meat taste, milk taste, proper meat and milk taste, it's not a sur. The sur doesn't even begin to get off the ground because you need them to fuse as meat and milk. But if they don't taste like meat and milk, they taste yucky because of the ashes that are in it, then there's no isur. That's called a tent gum. And that's a halakha aruch. So that is now what Hakam Adlu bases the tissue on. And he says, ash, try dishwasher detergent. <laughs> ashes. Dishwasher detergent is 100% worse than, than, than the ashes. And it does, it's, it functions in the way that Maran essentially was saying. And so he goes, I think with the gook on it and whatever, it's exactly what Maran wrote in Sayyid Dalit. So bottom line, what Hakam Adlu is saying at this point is, it's a halakha mifureshit in Shohan Aruch. In Siv Dalit of Sadiyah, there's mutar to wash it together. He says, why? He says, because even though the Taz and the Shach questioned Maran in the Shohan Aruch, the Chacham Tzvi argued with Shach and the Taz appropriately, and he agreed to the Shohan Aruch. Why is Hacham Matlub saying that? What's wrong with Shohan Aruch? Why can't he just say Shohan Aruch argues with the Shach and the Taz? Because he also wants to show that he believes that even for the Ashkenazim, this is mutar. Right? He wants to show that this is mutar. Right? So the Hacham Tzvi allowed it and he argued on the Shach and the Taz. And so he says, because it ruins the taste. The Tzemach Tzedek is who? Lubavitch. Right? He was one of the Lubavitch Rebbe's. So he writes in Siman Sadi Aleph, he also said that as long as you have soap, the borit, it's horrible to taste. It's it's not even, it's, it can't be tasted, you can't consider it food. And therefore, who wrote the Knesset Gdola? Rabbi Yoshua bin Vinisti wrote the Knesset Gdola. Ubagahot Pet Yosef Ot Menvab Katav, Ken? Where are we? Where are we? Katav. I don't remember who these are. I don't know who accepted it. I don't remember who these guys are. Mahila? I don't remember the Rosh Hashanah. The Kakata Biore de Asiman Memalim. Sorry? The Domestic Eliezer, the second one? Yes, thank you. The Domestic Eliezer. Hazak Baruch. Yes. So even the Hida that brought opinions that argued with Maran, maybe it's not enough to put in the, the, the ash, we hold like Maran, and the Minhag is like Maran, and that's what we do. Goes, bringing all people that agree to the Shanaruch. He says, we can rely on them to be Mekel. This is the um, he goes, everybody knows that in this machine, there's a little pocket that is open that you fill with borit, that you fill with detergent. 
before you close the dishwasher. And with all the movement of the water, the dishwashing detergent is spread all over the place into the thing, right? Wash the dishes. And this soap mixes with the hot water. Now this is key. He says, before the actual washing of the dishes. And that point is where a lot of people argue with this whole thing. They say, no, no, no. The, there's a delayed uh, release of the dishwashing detergent and the hot water already comes into the dishwasher before the dishwashing detergent comes out and all of that issue comes around. That may be the case. But as Hacham wrote at the beginning of the Teshubah, there's reasons to be matir of that as well. The only difference will be if there's grease on the, on the plates or not. Right? That's what we don't want it to be. But in any case, uh, he writes that it happens beforehand, but that's only a problem. Well, in any case, some other people say that it depends, right? I mean, even if it absorbs in the dishwasher, but the, the soap comes in while the, the process is going, it ruins the taste anyway of everything, right? So there's a question as to whether it could be done. Incidentally, Hacham in the Teshubah is matir exactly like Hacham right? He allows using the dishwasher for meat and milk together. Uh, with the soap, because of the soap. I mean, you have to think about this, right? Forget about the dishwasher. You know, the fact that people have two, two, two sinks today. What do you think? People in Yerushalayim 50 years ago had a, were able to have two sinks? They barely had one sink per family. They, they shared one sink for 10 families. How do they do that? Nobody thinks about that. Okay. All of it is Sorry, it's been so he says that the soap takes care of ruining the taste and you don't have to worry about it. And the, the dishwasher and all of the kelim and so on and so forth that are absorbed with all of this water that is washing them and with the, uh, and with the grease, it's all pagum. It's all ruined taste because of the soap. Yeah, it ruins it all. He goes, it's the same thing, by the way, to wash the dishes in the sink. You can wash meat and milk dishes in the sink together too if you use dishwashing detergent with them, if you, if you wash them with the soap, okay? Even if they're within 24 hours and they're dirty. If you put the dishwashing stuff on them immediately, right? That's why everybody comes into my house. They ask me, What's, where's the milk side or the meat side? I tell them there because, you know, I don't want to bother, but that's the reality. You don't need a meat and milk sink. Hashalom, everybody gets so nervous about it. Now, what's going to happen? Oh my goodness. It's none of it. It's all pagum. The whole thing is pagum, especially today, the way they bring it. Okay. He goes, truth matter is washing the, the meat and milk dishes in the sink 
at once is better than the uh, dishwasher. Because in the sink, the water doesn't sit on the dishes for a long period of time. You wash them and you scrub them and it will go through the drain. The only time that the mixture of things is a problem is if it sits there for a bit. But if it's constantly washing through, it's not a problem. Okay. Then he says over here, people can't do Hagala with it, with the dishwasher. So I'm not going to go into that. I'm not going to do that. Yeah, I'll show you this. I want to show you this. He says, He goes, look, I also want to explain some things here that it's likely that to many people reading this is Pashut. It's very simple. Uh, but nonetheless, You may read that halakha in Shohan Aruch, right? Seif Dalit. And where Maran says, right? That if you put ash into the water, it's okay. You might think that Maran is writing that only by the Avad and not the Chetahila. Why? You might think that Notem Tamlev Gam is only Mutar by the Avad. Why? Because we say that as far as as far as dishes that have been used, let's say, uh, you know, uh, with with let's say, you know, something that's been used with uh, something that wasn't kosher, or whatever the case may be, yeah. So you say after twenty four hours, it doesn't taste bad anymore. I mean, excuse me, it doesn't taste good anymore. It tastes bad. So, for example, let's say that a person had a plate of bacon. Right? Non-Jewish person. Let's say a non-Jewish person had a plate of bacon. Hot bacon on the plate. The bacon got absorbed in the plate. And that plate was, was washed, right? You don't have any, you know, uh, grease, bacon grease on whatever it is. But it was, it was left for 24 hours. And then I come along, I don't eat bacon, right? I come along and I put like a hot hamburger on the plate. And I eat the hamburger on the plate. Did I eat something asur? I'm asking. I'm asking you to answer me. Absolutely not. Who's saying that? Robert. Why not? Because the 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 the, the taste of the bacon is pagum. Correct. But is that lechatchila or b'diavad? Can I use the plate on purpose? I said, I thought there's a gazera de rabbanon that you couldn't use the plate, but if you correct, use... there is a gazera. There is a gazera. The hachamim say don't use the plate. From the Torah, you can use the plate. I'm not asking about the Torah. I'm saying the Hachamim say, I'm talking about practical halacha here, right? You can't use the Hachamim say, don't use the plate. Because if we let you use the plate that way, you're going to end up using the plate even when it's not 24 hours. So it's eno ben yomo, atu ben yomo. But the avad, if you've already done it, you can eat your hamburger. Why? It's already 24 hours. It's pagum. So... Ahmad Lub is saying you might think that Maran saying put ash into the water is only bidiavad because it's an otentam gum and maybe no tentam gum like the state the case that I just stated is only an allowance bidiavad but not the khatahila. You follow? So he says you might think that he goes, but you shouldn't think that. Why? He goes, He goes, first of all, remember 
that we tell you lichatchila to boil to if you want to kosher pots or dishes. But wait, you can do it lechatchila when they're not binyamah. We say wait 24 hours, then put them into the water and boil them. Well, you can tell me. So now they come into the water. It's not a problem. No, that we tell you to do. We don't say, oh, but you better have 60 parts water. To... No, we don't say anything. We just put it in the water, the boiling water, as long as it covers the thing. Because it's if it's not Ben Yomo, you don't have to worry. This is a very important Ran. Listen carefully. The Ran says in right? He says to do Haga'ala for a Kli that is past 24 hours, right? In a pot that is asur, right, where it's been past 24 hours, it's not a problem. And, Mar, and the Ran is saying, If you say, well, then what's the point of the takana, the takana of it being 24 hours? If you say, okay, even before the hagala, whatever is in the pot is already pagum, right? It's already not good. And even so, you need to do the hagala. Why don't you just say it's fine? Why you have to do Hagalah on something that's past 24 hours? Lohi, says the Ran. Ran says, no, why? Because there's a difference. This pot that absorbed Isur, absorbed bacon, let's say, right, or absorbed whatever it was that wasn't Asur, that wasn't Mutar, absorbed it in a good state. In other words, its taste at the time that it absorbed it was good. And it was Asur. And then it went into Inubinyomo. That's when we say you have to do a gala, don't use it on purpose, only be the avad, and so on and so forth. But if what was absorbed into a dish pot, what have you, was pagum to begin with, it doesn't begin to be asur. There wasn't asur, so it didn't absorb isur because something that's pagum is not asur. You follow? That's the Ran. The Ran is making a very important point. He says, And we consider it when it's absorbed in good state, we consider it to hold that state until it's pushed out. Basically, if I let you use this thing that absorbed perfectly good bacon at one point, even after 24 hours, you're going to end up using it before 24 hours. But but anything that absorbs something that is already pagum, already not good, mutar. That's mutar. And that's what Maran is saying. Maran is saying, make the water pagum so that whatever is absorbed is already pagum. You follow? And with meat and milk, it's fine because meat and milk is not asur until it mixes. You follow that? Right? So that Hakam Atlub is pointing out over here. Which is important. Further, then he talks about. Okay, I'm not going into all of the halachic ramifications, but I want to look at this. Look at this. You can look at it on your own, by the way. I'm happy that you will. So he says this. 
He goes, Baharona. He goes, finally, this is a very cute tidbit. He says, He goes, look, I have to admit that the Bet Midrash that I have to deal with here in Brooklyn, right, which is where he was at the time, right? You can't imagine that in, in, in the Syrian community in Brooklyn anymore. But when he was in the Syrian community in Brooklyn, he says, He goes, it's completely bereft of any responsa. So I have no I have no resources. Like I, I don't have any I don't have any reference <laughs> reference. Especially those that were recently printed, right? They have the old stuff. I don't have any of the new stuff that people are dealing with. So I don't have any dishwasher tissue book besides mine, you know, over here. He goes and they don't deal with the the current uh, issues of the day. He goes beta I'm sure they would have helped me if I had them to be able to enlighten a bit more the pathways of, of instruction over here to, to deal with this modern contraption that we're dealing with. He goes, look, I saw in this, in this journal, this Torah journal called the Pardes that somebody wrote about it, but after that, I haven't seen anybody write about the dishwasher. Okay, uh, except for one guy, he says. <laughs> I think this is very interesting what he says. He goes, there was one Rav called Moshe Nosboim from Poughkeepsie, right? And what he wrote in the Maor, which is another Torah journal, in Shnat Tavshin Kaf, in Chodesh Nisan, Bekitsur Rav, he wrote very minimally. He didn't express himself or explain himself. And all he did, he goes, Bekitsur Rav, Yoter Midai. It was too short, he says. He didn't write anything. gadol, right? And he did with this tremendous outpouring of anger, yeah. He went to destroy the rabbis that permitted this thing, right? He went out with guns blazing. And that was when they said to wash one after the other. He still killed them. And I want to apologize to his honor, right? The Rav from Poughkeepsie. From his anger, he made bad mistakes. Yeah, and that he got so angry, he made mistakes. In halacha, in what should pratim shonim in various details that he got careless about because he was so angry? And not only that, he forgot an explicit pasuk in which that the words of hachamim are heard when they're spoken softly and calmly as it's written in Kohelet. So he said, I'm sorry that that rabbi had such a problem with his anger management but he should have been careful about it because it caused him to have serious problems halachically and he forgot a very important pasuk. So he said, but look at this, how beautiful it is because this chabura and this particular uh, series is about approach, like I said at the beginning. And look what Hacham Atlub writes over here. He says it explicitly. He says, darko ena darki. He says, the, the way of this rabbi that I just quoted is not my way. Betam ha'eter sheli he goes, and the reason that I found to permit it is also not the reason that those rabbis permitted it, that he, that he smashed. Since his way is not my way, I didn't see a need to copy his words down, that are shooting arrows right at people, for nothing else than just to, to show the questions and answers that might come as a result of it. Sof davar, he says, the end of it all. Aliba according to halacha, mutar It is permitted to use this. Uh, what is it? 
Why am I getting a brain freeze? He says, mutar to use the machine. Lerhitzat kol hakelim afilu biyahad ven bnei yoman. You can do this even together with all of the kelim. Hen lanu asfaradim vehen lachenu ashkenazim. You can use it whether you're a Sfaradi or Ashkenazi. And so Hakam Madlub is convinced that it's permitted as it is. And he says, Ah, le kotzer dati. He's saying, according to this, according to my, my own minimal knowledge, it's mutar. That's what, that, that's what it stands for. It's his anava. So he says like this. Now this is my favorite, my favorite paragraph in the entire Teshuba. Listen carefully. He says, a person who wants to be mahmir, who wants to be mahmir and use the dishwasher one after the other and not together, or you want to leave the dishes 24 hours before you put them in there, and you want to clean them of the grease before you put them on, he's allowed to be mahmir if he wants to do that. I, that's to me is one of the most remarkable lines that Acham Madlub ever wrote. I, I'm allowed to be Mahmir? I need a heter in order to be, be able to be Mahmir? What are you kidding? Whatever happened to Tavoah Mahmir, Tavoah Beracha? Look, in this case, if you want to use the dishwasher one after the other, or you want to you know, leave it for 24 hours before you put it in, you want to wash the grease off of the, the dishes even. You're allowed to be stringent in those cases because there's reason to be stringent. Because if you even have a problem with that and you have enough money to put two dishwashers in your house, bless you. Bless you. But a person who wants to throw all their dishes in there, even when it's not an extenuating circumstance, they just want to do it because it's easier for them. Maybe they want to save the water. Right? They're concerned about the, you know, uh, conservation. He doesn't want to just throw all the, also heat all the water. It's just too tough to have to sit and wait all the bizbuzman, you know, the, the wasting of time of having to do two, two, two dishwashers. Twice a day. Until it finishes and they come back and use it. Those people that want to be lenient, they have definitely what to rely on. A great and massive tree to lean on, right? A sturdy, strong tree to lean on. Maran Moreno Harav Yosef Karo. Maran and Shohan Aruch. Certainly according to the Sfaradim, that accepted his rulings. And of course our Minhag is just like him. The, the knowledge of the one who knows the knowledge of, of high things. I've written, as far as I understand, in the humility of my own, my own mind and understanding, and may the rock of Israel save us from mistakes. And that is it. So that's Hachamat Lub for you. And with that, as we've gone on over 30 minutes, I shall leave you. Rav, thank yeah. you so, so much. That was fantastic. I think I speak on behalf of everybody. 
Um, really looking forward to doing some Khazara, so please do make sure you send the recording so I can get it to the Habara. I've left my number in the chat for anybody who wants to join the WhatsApp group. Uh, see you all next week. We have Rav Kada uh, giving Shi'ur on denominations, the Sephardi and Ashkenazi approaches to denominations. Um, again, Rav, thank you so much. That was incredible. Hope Pleasure. to see you all next week. Pleasure. Have a good night wherever you are. Good night, everyone. Go to. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Bet Midrash. Subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast player. Don't forget to rate and review. Have a wonderful day.